Hello and greetings and welcome to the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston, thanking you once again for making us a part of your day, however you may be listening and wherever you are in the world. We're glad to have you. We're also glad to have our partner, Life Reimagined. Their website is lifereimagined.org slash happy. They've got all kinds of processes for you to try out, all kinds of resources for you to consider as you make that journey toward peak happiness. Because as you awaken to the power of happiness, so do your dreams, so what's next? Find out at lifereimagined.org slash happy. Well, we've been talking about a lot lately how the secret to lasting happiness is actually simple. In Live Happy's new book, Live Happy, 10 Practices for Choosing Joy, you can discover how easy everyday acts lead to lifelong joy and fulfillment proven by the latest research in positive psychology. And the cool thing about this book is it's got the science in there, but then it's also got some stories that you can relate it to and see it actually in practice. And the book is available online in bookstores across the nation as well. You can go to choosingjoybook.com for more information, and we certainly encourage you to do so as you are tooling around line today, tonight, whatever time it might be in your part of the world. In this episode of Live Happy Now, our own Deborah Heist talks with Dr. Drew Ramsey on one of 10 practices for choosing joy, which is health. Dr. Drew is the New York Times bestselling author of Fifty Shades of Kale and The Happiness Diet, and he's one of psychiatry's leading proponents of using dietary change to help balance moods, sharpen brain function, and improve mental health. Today on the Live Happy Now podcast, we have one of our favorite guests and uh, occasional columnist in our magazine, Dr. Drew Ramsey. Dr. Drew, thanks for uh, being on the podcast today. Hey, thank you so much, Deborah. Great to speak with you. Likewise, I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed you for the podcast. I think in the past it's been our science editor, Paula Phelps, and I have to tell you, I was really looking forward to getting my chance in this chair. You know, you specialize in a topic that's very near and dear to me, which is staying healthy and the part that food plays in in staying healthy. The whole focus of my work is is specifically trying to keep your brain healthy with food, which really food becomes and really is the most powerful intervention, as I say, you have a brain intervention at the end of your fork, and, and my goal is really to help people think clearly about what they're putting at the end of their fork and making sure that it's the right foods that's going to feed their brain. So it's a little bit of a food as medicine concept, and you know, kind of your mission is to use food as medicine? The whole idea, and it's a big movement that's taking hold both in mental health and in general health, is how we can use food as medicine, because we know for sure, in terms of prevention of something like depression, uh, food is the most powerful tool that we have, and we haven't been utilizing it as much as we need to. And, and people are increasingly going to see that changing. I think everybody is. The cover of Scientific American magazine is is on the best best diet for the brain. So it's really a, an exciting and trending topic. Can you give us some examples, um, you know, because we always think of eating right as something we do for our bodies, for the way we look, the way we feel a little bit in terms of energy. But, you know, you've, you mentioned brain a couple times. Can you talk about what eating right actually does for our brains from a uh, biomedicine sense? Yeah, sure. Well, the, I think the first way that, that everyone listening should consider um, brain food is thinking that the building blocks of your brain, all those specialized fats that make up your brain and molecules like serotonin and dopamine that a lot of people have heard of, those are all made out of the ingredients in food. You know, if you're going to make serotonin, what people feel is kind of the happiness molecule. Yeah, serotonin requires uh, iron, um, folate, and tryptophan, and you have to have those in your diet. That, that's one way. The basic building blocks of the brain are made of food. Uh, the other way is that 
how our brain ages and grows is, is a very new and exciting concept in brain science. Uh, it's called neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity is the notion that in adult life, we continue to give birth to new brain cells. And there are a few factors that really influence that. One that people are, are familiar with is exercise, that, that when people exercise, their brain stays bigger over time and more kind of resilient and healthier. And, and the same thing is true with food. When we see people, for example, who have low intakes of omega-3 fats or have low levels of vitamin B12, they're not only at an increased risk for you know, depression and heart disease and all kinds of diseases, but, but they're also, uh, their brain is going to shrink faster as they age. And that, that, that's a bad thing. We don't want brain shrinkage. So th these kind of two ways, both food is the building blocks of, of, of you know, your brain, and then it also really is the way that you control the dial of brain growth. There's one more, which is this brand new science around the microbiome. These are all the bacteria that live in your gut that we know play a huge role in dictating your brain health and your immune health. Uh, Though the way that you really can influence your microbiome and mean, making uh, meaning that healthier bugs are living in your gut is by eating more plants and more fermented foods. So that's a good example of, uh, I, I think, a kind of new science way of, of thinking of how food influences brain health. Some of the new research that we've been seeing or new studies we've been seeing uh, talks about um, probiotics and its relation to depression. Can you talk a little bit about what, what you're seeing in that area? Yeah, for sure. There was just the first ever study of uh, treating patients with depression with a probiotic, and, and it was a positive study. It was a very nice trial. Uh, my colleague Emily Deans just blogged about it, um, uh, and, and she's kind of expert in this area. Uh, I, I think that the... Um, the take-home message for most people with probiotics is that you can really get the good stuff that you find in a probiotic in live cultures and fermented foods. The one that people are most familiar with is yogurt. And so it's where you'll, you'll see me talking a lot about fermented dairy products like grass-fed yogurt or kefir, which is a, a kind of yogurt drink, mm -hmm. is a way to get people to get more of these live cultures. I'm always you know, trying to make some sauerkraut or brewing up some kombucha. Uh, trying to get more of these live cultures in my kitchen and and into into my uh, into my diet and into my family. Um, so that's a lot of people, you know, hear probiotic and they they end up in the probiotic aisle of the supplement store. And boy, that's a scary place to be because there's just so <laughs> many options and it's so confusing. And the bottom line is, what really really changes the dial on your microbiome is eating more plants. And so, uh, you know, a probiotic you know, might help some folks, certainly in the trial for clinical depression, it helps some people. But I really, I, I very much believe that you can really get to a state of robust and resilient health by food, not, not via supplements. Well, one of the things you mentioned was uh, yogurt. And I recently saw an article on yogurt reminding people that most of the yogurt we purchase in the store, most of the, I'm not going to mention the name brands, but the stuff you find in the general grocery aisle doesn't have probiotics in it anymore. Is that true? Well, it, it depends. I mean, and certainly a lot of the yogurt, a lot of more commercially processed yogurt, there are kind of two issues. One is the live cultures are questionable, but the other is that the cows and the milk that they're using comes from animals mainly fed grain. And so the reason that, that I'm really interested and excited to see more grass-fed yogurt products coming online it, it, is that grass-fed yogurt has a different mix of fats and much healthier fats. It has more omega-3 fats, more of a fat called conjugated 
conjugated linoleic acid. It's a very exciting fat when it comes to health. Um, and so we're really looking at grass-fed products. Is, you know, this is really what milk and yogurt used to be and have always been until we started fiddling with the food supply and you know, feeding cows a lot of grain and having these large concentrated animal feeding operations. So uh, grass-fed products are just a different beast. It's a different, a different set of fats. Um, and the live cultures tend to be more active in those just because they tend to be smaller batch yogurts from smaller farms. Talking about paying attention to the food we eat as having, you know, not just the name of the food. You know, for me, the whole thing about yogurt is everybody has always said go eat yogurt. But like we were just talking about, sometimes the type of yogurt you purchase makes a difference as well. What about other tips can you give people for things to be careful of when they go shopping or to look for when they go shopping to drive them towards eating a healthier life? Where do you point people when they go to their grocery store to stock their kitchen? Well, I tell people to avoid the middle of the grocery store. That's a common rule people are hearing. But when I go to the grocery store, what you're really looking to do is fill up your grocery cart with plants, fruits and vegetables, lots of vegetables, and then kind of what's going to be your plant delivery device, whether that's, um, you know, you're going to make a vegetable beef stew and you're going to get some good grass-fed beef, or you're going to do some brown rice and and some lentils, uh, you know, and then cover that with some great sautéed vegetables or oven-roasted cauliflower. So when I go through the grocery store and I look at people's carts, uh, what what I like to see is lots and lots, this is like what I like to see on my plate, lots of colors, lots of plants, some fermented foods like yogurt. I love seeing bags of nuts. You know, my, my kind of five foods that I really, you know, when I, when I think about what I inter, uh, how I intervene in my clinical practice where I do a food assessment, I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist, so I'm, I'm really looking to boost people's brain power with food. I, I think about seafood uh, and getting people to eat more clams, oysters, and mussels, which are very high in vitamin B12 and omega-3 fats. My little rhyme is seafood, greens, nuts, and beans, and don't forget a little dark chocolate oh. and, and because dark, dark chocolate, again, is a plant-based food and it's fermented. It's like, wow, two birds with one stone. So those are all foods. Again, they're whole foods. They're very um, uh, sort of low in, in, in sugar. Um, they all have, you know, one ingredient on the package, right? You get raw unsalted almonds. It just says almonds on the ingredient list. So, so those kind of foods are what we want to see people eating. What we don't want people to eat is anything from a package. People say, well, how do you do that? Does that take a lot of time? Is it impossible? Like, no, I'm a busy physician. I got two kids. My wife and I do a lot of cooking, simple cooking, and we don't get anything. We try to take almost nothing from a package that's been pre-prepared or pre-made or anything with an ingredient list just because, you know, if you have a question why, turn over an ingredient list and you'll see you know, a bunch of different ways to say sugar. You'll see the fats, you know, all kinds of different vegetable oils and, uh, you know, sunflower seed oil and soybean oil and corn oil. These are really not particularly good for you in any way. And you'll see a lot of additives, preservatives, artificial food dyes, trans fats are still showing up in all kinds of foods, even stuff that says zero trans fats. Now turn over the, turn, turn over the package and you'll see something like partially hydrogenated cottonseed oil on there. When you see that, it means it has trans fats. So we want people off of those foods. And that's where I say you generally find those in the center of the grocery store. We want to keep people to the edges where you're getting your fruits and your vegetables. You're getting some you know, healthy meats and seafoods, uh, maybe getting some fermented dairy. And, you know, and then you're out. And one of my big interventions is to get people away from the grocery store. 
and at least for some of their shopping, sending them to their local farmer's market. The great thing about a farmer's market, I would say it's the non-nutrient, non-nutritional part of food that makes you feel good, which is, you know, you go to a farmer's market. I don't know your guys' experience. You go to a farmer's market, and I just – I feel more hopeful when I leave. I mean, I like to shake the hand of somebody who actually grew my food, you know, shake the hand that actually planted and picked my food. I find that really meaningful and rewarding and and it like, it gives me hope for our food system. Uh, It also, for anybody listening, who's in a, in a smaller community who has a farmer's market, you know, right. It really helps connect you up with your community. And and I always tell people, you know, do some self experiments, go to the grocery store one day and go shopping and see what your experience is like. And then go to the farmer's market and think about how it makes you feel. Look at what did you buy? Whenever I come back from the farmer's market, my my bags are just like full of cool plants, all kinds of interesting things that farmers are growing around America. So, um, you know, one one of the big interventions I I really try is to help people improve their sourcing by by either doing a CSA and really getting familiar with a a singular farm or going to your farmer's market. I love farmer's markets. They – for me, it's more like a vac- it's, it's more like almost like going to a museum or going to, you know, on an outing with the family when we go to the farmer's market. You know, there's walking around, there's talking to people. It's a lot more yeah, than just putting stuff in my cart. Exactly. It, it's a social experience around food. And, and that's one of, you know, aside from what you eat, sharing food with other people. And in our house, we start our meals with a moment of silence and, and really try and slow down. Uh, we have a, uh, in my new book, Eat Complete, I have a set of kind of mindful eating rules to, to help people you know, chew their food more. It's that simple reminder that digestion starts in your mouth. And there's a big difference between gulping something down and chewing eight to 10 times. Um, we have no screens at the table where, you know, all cell phones go off and get put away. So we can really be present with one another. Um, it's, and so that, that those are there's, I think, some other, you know, besides omega-3 fats and B12 and zinc and iodine and all the nutrients I cover and eat complete, I really feel one of the key parts of the book and the philosophy is of eating complete is to also shift your attitudes around food and to be present with your food and mindful about your food. So I'm glad you mentioned the book. I wanted to ask if you could just give us a brief definition of the concept of Eat Complete. Eat Complete is coming out May the 17th, and and the book, uh, Eat Complete, is the 21 nutrients that fuel brain power, boost weight loss, and transform your health. And the concept of the book uh, really is to take the research and clinical work that I've been doing for the last decade on how food influences brain health. And, and look at what are the top nutrients that really there's, there's good scientific data that they influence how we feel. Find the foods that have the top amount of those specific nutrients and then create recipes out of those foods. And so the way the workbook works is, is that it, it goes over a nutrient like zinc and, and helps readers understand, you know, over half of Americans do not meet the recommended daily allowance of zinc intake. And if you ask those people, like, well, what's a great food that has zinc in it? You know, most people, doctors included, they have no idea. And, and neither did I when I first got into this world. But zinc is absolutely critical for your mental health, for your brain health, and for your overall physiology. So it's one of those things you want to know. What are the top five foods with zinc in them? Well, Eat Complete goes through that, tells you what are the top foods, and then gives you some recipes so you know. This recipe has 120% of your daily need of zinc. You eat that, you're good for the day. And so that's how the book really is, is aimed to work, is to educate people about these nutrients. We then I have, a, I have the same assessment that I use in my clinical practice in the book to help people 
kind of guide themselves through setting some goals and, and, and looking at their dietary pattern. Because, you know, it's not about one food. It's not about just eating more kale. It's about your overall dietary pattern, delicious recipes to get them started in the change. Something, for example, um, like zinc. Well, zinc's really, really high in oysters, right? Just six oysters has over 500% of your daily need of zinc. But most people, they've not shucked an oyster or cooked an oyster or had oysters other than, you know, at, at a restaurant. And so there's some great recipes like a chipotle, uh, chipotle oyster tacos, right, <laughs> where it allows people to kind of ac- access uh, the oyster in a really friendly, delicious taco form. And, and the goal of Eat Complete, uh, what Eat Complete means or to be a completer is that you're getting all of your nutrients from food, that you're not taking any supplements or any vitamins, that you get everything from food. When you rely on supplements for nutrition, you're kind of putting the most important decision you make every day on autopilot. You're saying this pill with all these nutrients or you know, uh, and vitamins and minerals, well, that's all that I need. And, and, and it's okay. People call it an insurance policy. And I just like to remind people, you know, there is no insurance policy for not eating well. <laughs> there just isn't one. And and on top of that, multivitamins and vitamins, they don't have the really live and active phytonutrients. These plant-based molecules, one of the 21 essential nutrients are what are called polyphenols. And they're these molecules found in plants that do absolutely miraculous things in your body. And, and so the, the hope is that people can really almost like forget the numbers. It's not like I count up how many milligrams of zinc I eat. I just know that I eat the five, ty- five ty- top sources of zinc. You know, I'm eating my pumpkin seeds and I eat oysters and mussels and, and uh, a number of foods that have zinc in them. So I don't, you know, I, I know I've got enough zinc. Um, so that, that, that's the hope is to really help people have a sense. What are the most important nutrients? What foods do I find them? And then they take that core set of foods and make them the base of your diet. But a lot of people have concerns about their diet because they aren't used to other foods. They might, you know, I, I read a a study somewhere that the average person only eats somewhere between seven and eight different meals at home that they cook, you know, all year round, like it's spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's your, that's your dietary pattern. I mean, I really love when I sit with patients to get those, you're totally right. Get those seven or eight go-to meals. Like what do you eat for breakfast? What do you eat for lunch? What do you eat for dinner? And if you look at that, I've, I've analyzed hundreds of people's diets the same pattern sticks out for most Americans. They don't have much seafood. They don't have leafy greens. They don't eat the rainbow. There's not a bunch of colors on their plate. Uh, they don't eat nuts. They don't eat a lot of plant-based proteins, which are really important as we want to move people towards a plant-based diet. Um, and so shifting your pattern is really about trying some of these new foods. It's about exploring some of these new foods. And that's very intimidating for people. And that, that's one of the reasons and eat complete, I kind of go over a lot of the new foods, like why, why is there millet in this book, right? Why, <laughs> why are we saying, you know, you should try ceviche, which, you know, that sounds really scary to people. But it's wonderful. Take rough, <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, yeah, when you think about somebody who doesn't like seafood, it, you know, because they say, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't like to cook fish. It smells fishy. It stinks up my house. It's like, hey, here's a no-cook version where you can make an incredible seafood dish in literally five minutes chop up some shrimp or some scallops, put them in with some lime juice, lemon juice, and a little zest, a little olive oil, let it sit. Yeah. That's it. 20, 25 minutes, and it's not dangerous. You've cooked it all the way through by by cooking it in acid. So, uh, again, looking for those what I call brain food swaps where somebody is – 
you know, hooked on that, as you say, hamburger and spaghetti. So what am I going to do with that? I'm going to say, hey, instead of your hamburger, let's think about a, a fish sandwich or let's think about a beef stew with lots of vegetables, right? Or that spaghetti meal. One of my favorite recipes in the book are spiralized zucchini noodles. So you take a zucchini, you put it in a spiralizer, it comes out with these really wonderfully long kind of noodle-like strands. You do a quick, fast uh, boil, and then we, we cover it with this delicious sautéed shrimp. You know, so again, instead of spaghetti and meatballs, where you're getting probably not the best quality meat and, you know, a big load of carbs in the pasta, with, with this other dish, you're getting lots of phytonutrients, lots of fiber, you're getting iodine from the shrimp and omega-3 fats and a complete protein. You're just getting a much, much healthier dish, but that same pasta experience. So where do most people who, I mean, because most people have the intent, well, not most, a lot of us have the intention of eating right. Where do, where do most of us go wrong? Uh, where, do, where do we miss the boat when it comes to eating complete? I find that where people really miss the boat is actually in planning and sourcing. I talk to people about, okay, when do you go shopping? When do you kind of plan out your meals for the week? And, and people don't like to spend time on this, which really surprises me uh, in the sense that this is the most important decision you make, that if you eat right, you're going to have your health. And without your health, you have nothing. And so it, it, it's striking to me how often people really just say, you know, when, when, where do you shop? They say, well, you know, uh, wherever. <laughs> when do you shop? Where, where I think having a little bit more of a structured system, um, having a nice list of go-to foods, um, and really uh, thinking and planning out the week. Not obsessively. It's not like I know what I'm going to eat at every meal, but I, I just I have a sense of the most nutrient-dense foods that are in my refrigerator, and then I like to play with those. And so um, I, I think the other place that people make mistakes is they rely on other people to prepare their food, and they buy into the myth that it costs too much to eat right. Yeah, and folks, and folks, that's a myth. Let me tell you, there's nothing that costs more than not eating right, and you don't have to buy every single thing organic, and you don't have to buy, you know, wild salmon out of season. But it's really, I think, uh, possible uh, to eat on a really reasonable budget and have the food be delicious. Um, again, I'm living in Manhattan, feeding you know two kids, <laughs> and uh, I feel um, that it's pretty easy to do that when you follow the guidelines of eat complete. And you can focus on these nutrient-dense foods. Part of the reason is you don't need to eat as much because you're getting more nutrients, right? One of the reasons that people lose weight when they, when they follow my, my dietary guidelines is they're eating less food because they're getting all the nutrients they need for fewer calories. It's this concept called nutrient density, which is really the way you think about it, like bang for your buck. You get more nutrients per calorie um, for a, from a nutrient-dense food. The example I like to give is like a can of Coke is 140 calories. Well, a kale salad is also 140 calories. And with the Coke, you get zero nutrients for your brain. With the kale salad, woof, you get vitamin K, folate, fiber, you get some protein, you get a little bit of iron, you get lots of calcium, you get magnesium, you get lots of phytonutrients, right? Of those 21 nutrients, you get, you know, probably 10 in kale. So for the same number of calories. So that's nutrient density. And you'll feel fuller if you, if you, if you do that as well. For sure, because the, the foods that I focus on all, and again, by going plant-based, you get more fiber in your diet. So you feed that microbiome, but also fiber makes us feel more full because it, it, it's bulkier and takes up more space. 
um, you're going to have uh, uh, more fats and proteins than, than a lot of people eat and, and much fewer carbohydrates. The reason behind that is that fats and proteins are really satiating. They send a signal to your body that says, okay, we're full. Uh, so the idea is to really move people from what does not work at all, which is this notion of eating a, a low-fat diet, which is a horrible idea. There's, there's, you know, now everybody in the nutrition world has really moved away from that message. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, and instead, eating for nutrient density. You want a plant-based diet with carefully selected meat and seafood. Uh, lots of rainbows in there, and, and it's going to leave you feeling more full, more satiated, and give you all the nutrients you need to, to, to have your brain be focused, happy, and energized. Well, Dr. Ramsey, thank you so much for joining us on the Live Happy Now podcast. That's some great takeaways. I know that it, it gave me something to think about because I love to cook, I love to eat, I love to shop, but making the time for it, just what you said about the most important decision we make might be what we go to the grocery store to buy or the food we go to buy, and uh, you know, just the planning in that is something that I think we could all pay a little more attention to. So thank you very much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's great working with you guys. And there's a great feature in Live Happy on Eat Complete. We're even sharing uh, a few of the recipes. It's actually the first time they're appearing in print. So every uh, all Live Happy readers are going to get a sneak preview of some of the recipes. And, and I really look forward to people trying them out. And, and please let me know how it goes for you. Thank you very much, and I look forward to having you back closer to when the book comes out. Thanks so much, Deborah. You guys have a great day. If you would like a free sketch note of this episode or to learn more about the 10 practices for choosing joy, go to livehappynow.com. We also want to hear from you, so if you took anything away from this podcast, anything at all, find us on Twitter at livehappy. You can also find us at facebook.com slash livehappy, on Instagram at mylivehappy, and you can send us emails, podcast at livehappy.com. We love getting emails from people. It's great. Do so. We love to hear from you. You can also share ideas for things that you would love to hear on the show that we maybe haven't talked about yet. It'd be fantastic. For everybody involved in this episode of Live Happy Now, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long and thank you, and remember to always live happy.